I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. Your home without having something. So uh, I, uh, you don't have to stand uh, and open your Bible. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up to 2 Timothy 4. We're going to read 1 through 4. A very important passages, passage of Scripture. Uh, it's good to see uh, Janelle here this morning. Bless you for being here. And uh, brother and sister Elliot's daughter. We don't get to see her much, but it's good to see you. You're the better version of Ronnie. I hope he hears that. I love, for, I love to roast Pastor Ronnie Elliot. Because he roasts me really bad. So if you think I'm mean, uh, you just need to hear... Pastor Ronnie Elliott. Oh, I'm so sorry. You could be dismissed. Fine, leave. Be very careful in the parking lot. Timothy received letters from Paul, and it's very it was a very vital letter. There's some letter, all letters that that Timothy received from Paul was very vital, but. I, I pick out certain scriptures that that's very, very important and very important to our day that grabs our attention. And Paul writes to Timothy, knowing that there's going to be issues in the future. He said, I charge thee, therefore, before God. And the, uh, these, these first words are, are, are trying to uh, get Timothy's attention. He was... Uh, sending warning because the church, uh, the, the church as they knew it and now as we know it, uh, would have issues holding on to the things that would be passed down. And how many of you know that uh, the generations after each one of them lose a certain amount of, of, of either passion or love for, for the truth? Our grandmas and grandpas... Uh, they didn't have a problem going to church uh, for 11 weeks straight, uh, working all day. And I know things have changed now, and not, but they didn't have problems going to uh, 10, 12-week, 8-week revivals. And a lot of times in this day and age, we have problems with people coming to a three-day revival. That's because, I'm just, I'm just being honest with you, each generation loses some passion and love for the things of God. We've got to be very careful. We do not lose those, those things. Okay? Paul was writing to Timothy. He said, I charge thee therefore before God. I'm standing like God is standing right there. And he said, the Lord Jesus Christ, notice, I want you to notice that he did not separate those two. He was just, he was reiterating and the, the importance of what he was getting ready to say. He says, who shall judge the quick and the dead? At his appearing and his and his kingdom, and he went on to say, he said, "Preach the word." In other words, nothing else outside of it. Don't preach anything outside of the word. He said, "Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine." Uh, very very important thing to notice in verse two. He said, "Be instant in season and out of season." Uh, want to add something to that. There's going to be times when this message 
was popular. And there's going to be times when the message or truth isn't popular. But the message should never change. Because we don't like something or whatever uh, doesn't mean we quit doing it just because we don't like it. And I know I have to get through this really quick. But I, I want to point out that me and my brother was watching. And I'll tell you who it is. I don't care uh, if I hurt people's feelings or whatever. If you, if you don't like it, it's just the truth anyway. We was, we was, we was kind of laughing and finding humor in some of the stuff that Kenneth Hagin which is a nutcase, by the way. He's not with us anymore. Uh, he, the guy, was is an absolute nutcase, and he, he in the ni- early '80s and the '90s, um, he he uh, he just made a mockery out of Pentecost. And uh, I've heard a lot of people and a lot of uh, people in Pentecost apostolic say, you know what? We're, we since we don't want to be linked with those people, we're going to quit. Uh, worshiping God in, in this way. We don't, we're not going to be demonstrative in our worship because those people, I mean, if you watch any of their YouTube videos, you'll recognize how crazy they really are. And they made true, authentic, Pentecostal, apostolic people look really bad. And so a lot of our people, they stopped, they stopped having church as, as the book of Acts because they didn't want to be linked with those people. So they ceased being the true church. In order to, to save face and, 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 and not be like those people. But we don't quit worshiping. We don't quit praising God just because of a few nut jobs. I've seen the church, I've seen the church go in and out of seasons of, of, of worship and they say, well, it, the, because we don't want people thinking we're nuts. We're, we are peculiar. We're not of this world. And we are going to worship God. And, and, uh, but we should not uh, do that one year and then the next year when it's not popular again. We should always be the same. And that's what but Timothy was talking about. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come. And that is it's here now. When they will not endure sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. I studied that word this morning. And it actually means wholesome or whole, or complete doctrine. There's going to come a time where people will just give you fragments of truth. Not all the truth. Because uh, the whole truth costs something. And there's going to become a time where, where men will only uh, preach and people will not endure sound or whole doctrine. But after their own lust, I'll heap them to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned un, unto fables or things or doctrines that are literally fabricated or uh, made up by men. And so I, I, I want to bring it to our attention because there are people in our ranks these, these days that have let uh, doctrines, truth go. Because, and the reason is, I'm going to tell you why many times people let doc, truth go. You ready? To accommodate and to save uh, not hurting other people's feelings in the process. So they want to accommodate everybody. And there's this mentality, Jesus loves everybody, which is true. And Jesus accepts everybody, which is true. 
But the reality is that even though he accepts everybody and loves everybody, he doesn't accept their actions and their beliefs. And we're living in a day where the church says, you know what, we, we don't want to hurt anybody. So what we'll do is we'll, 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 give them, we'll give them part of the gospel. And part of the gospel is, well, all you have to do is believe. And as long as you believe, you're okay. And, and, and a lot of churches, they, they, even though they don't believe that, fully believe that, that's what they preach in order not to hurt other people's feelings. But we can't stop preaching truth just because it, people doesn't agree with it. Just because it may hurt them. Hear me. Preaching the truth may hurt their feelings, but it will save them in the end. And not preaching the truth will hurt them for eternity. And so we cannot stop preaching truth simply because it hurts people. Now, uh, I understand that there's a right way and a wrong way to give truth. You can tell, it's the truth, people that are living... Certain lifestyles, and I gotta be very careful because I could go, I can go to jail, but I'll, I'll just say it like this, and you can read between the lines so I don't hurt anybody's feelings. It's truth that there are people that live in certain kind of lifestyles that aren't living up to biblical code is going to go to hell. It's truth, but you don't you don't shove it down people's throat and tell people, look, you have changed or you're going to go straight to hell. People are not going to listen. The Bible says to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And when we give people the gospel, we've got to be like serpents. And serpents are subtle and they're, uh, they're very wise. They're cunning when they catch their prey, uh, their, their prey or their, the, when they prey up on their food. They have to... They have to be wise. Why? Because they lack dexterity and they lack certain things. So when they catch their prey, they have to be very wise about doing it. I saw a National Geographic one time where there, where there was a black mamba. I'm enamored with snakes. We like those snakes when we go to the zoo. And I watched that black mamba. He was at the end of a dead limb. And he posed himself, wrapped his tail around that dead limb. And it looked like that, that mamba was part of that tree. And when that bird flew over, it land, went to land on this snake. And when it went to land on this snake, this, this black mamba hit it, sunk its fangs in it, and it, the fang fell to the ground. That mamba slithered down the tree and got that. Uh, but that's what God was talking about. The Scripture was talking about to be subtle and, or as wise as serpents. He said, be very careful when you catch them. But then he turned right around and he used uh, the the took two, contra- two different kinds of animals, and there was a contrast. You had the serpent, then you had a dove, which a dove is harmless. It doesn't hurt anything. It doesn't kill anything. It only eats little berries and stuff, and uh, it's, it's, it's a Democrat. That's it, the, the dove. It's a, it's a Democrat. It's, uh, I better go on. So, he so said when you catch your prey... You got to you got to change what you are instead of destroying uh, your prey. You catch it, lure it in, be smart. But then when you when you get it, don't hurt it. 
And so when we give people truth, we got to be very wise. And I went a long, long way to, to say this. You probably you're, you're going to be shocked with knowing what I'm talking about this morning. But here lately, I have heard I've heard our people changing their course and changing what they preach simply because this world has put pressure on them not to preach truth. And so they change what they preach. We cannot change our foundation truth. We cannot change the word of God. We cannot stop preaching that what's right and what's truth. Our, our, uh, what am I trying to say? Our, uh, I guess, uh, something in my eye. I can't get it out. Uh, our, uh, oh, our display, our, how we preach it. How, uh, what am I trying to say? Right. We can't change the truth, but it's our presentation. Our presentation. We have got to change our presentation, how we deliver things. But a lot of people, a lot of Pentecostals, apostolics, I'm saying, I've been in this thing for 43 years, all my life, been around it. And instead of changing the presentation or how they deliver the truth, they change, they try to change the message to fit what people want. And if you look, churches that, uh, the, the churches that, that are, have these big, uh, the coliseums and stuff, most of them, you don't have to change a lot about yourself to belong to this church. And that's great. If you're a sinner, you take all the, uh, the stress off of, uh, uh, off yourself by saying, you know what, I can go to church and still be alright and look like this and act like this and I don't have to change a lot about myself. And so, and, and there's a spirit that's coming to our churches and it's sad because, and what's prompted me to talk about this this morning is that I have a very close friend that was very prominent in our ranks. Great preacher, preaches conference, preached at, at, at very big venues. If I said it, you probably would think about who this guy was. And all of a sudden, Brother Stellenberger, he started changing little things here and there. But now, I'm not, as, as I'm standing up here, it blows my mind. As great as preacher as he was and as great as theologian as he was, he now doesn't believe that you have to be baptized in Jesus' name to be saved. I'm talking about a man that pre- had preached every venue, every venue. And, and there's not just one of them. There's many for the crowds that we love their CDs. We've, we, we, we've listened to them. We've passed them back and forth. People that stood for truth. And now these men, and they let down on certain areas. And because they let down in certain areas, all of a sudden they opened the door. Why? You could, why? Because you have to, they, there's a feeling of acceptance to everybody. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And before long, once you start accepting a few doctrines, you have to accept more doctrines. And before long, everybody's saved. And before long, whether you say it outright or not, there are many ways to God. We're all trying to get to the same place. When the truth is that there is one way and there is one door. One way and one door. And who is that door? Jesus. That's exactly who Jesus is. Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. 
He's not just simply the Son of God. When you hear the word that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you're not hearing the, the fact that, uh, that I wish my son, I'm here and Ethan's sitting back there on that pew. We're separate. I'm, I'm the father and he's the son. That's not, that's not the content in which you hear the word son and father. And we're all adults in here. And for those, if you got babies in here, they won't understand. But we all know how babies are born. I don't have to go into all that, right? If I have to tell you that you're, we'll have to have a different class. And go home and ask your parents. They'll tell you. But when we, we talk about Jesus being the Son of God, the word Son, the word Son is literally a term used in relationship. Okay? In relationship. Again, remember, Jesus isn't over here. God is over here, and the Holy Ghost is over here, and these three are separate entities, which, by the way, the word Trinity literally means, Trinity, ready? Three distinct persons in the Godhead. Three distinct persons. Co-equal, co-existent, and co-eternal. Think about that. Co-equal, co-existent. And co-eternal. In other words, there are three gods. The word Trinity, and this is this is sad because a lot of like your Baptist, your Methodist, Presbyterian, they're not truly Trinity, because most of your most of those people believe they actually believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Now there are some, and I've ran into some Trinitarians that believe. That they are three distinct persons and there's three gods under one lordship. Talk about confusing. They say we're confusing because we believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Hear me. The only reason that God, or Jesus, excuse me, the only reason that Jesus Christ is referred to is the Son of God. You ready? You with me? That God the Spirit, God is Spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. He is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He fills all space. David said, if I make my bed in hell, there you are. He's everywhere. You can't go anywhere in the world that, there, that the presence of God that is not. Now, there is a central location of authority where God belongs. What, and what that means is that God, the Father, the Spirit, put a seed in a woman. And in relationship, he was the father of that seed. Now, you'd be, it'd blow your mind how many apostolics don't understand that fact. That's why I'm talking about this morning. Because I, I, I want to be a very strong foundational doctrine church. And we have a lot of apostolics. Veteran apostolics has been in church for years that have no clue why that Jesus Christ is called the Son of God. So that was the simple and really only explanation of why that Jesus Christ was called the Son of God. Because God, the Father, put a seed in a woman and in relationship, He was the Father of that seed. 
God became what he wasn't and still remained what he was. That right there is probably the most profound thing that you'll hear. I'm not the most brightest man in the world. I don't have any degrees, but I do have a strong understanding of who Jesus is. And once you get a true understanding of who Jesus is, you won't be confused about anything else in the Scripture. Because there's a lot of people that don't understand. From the prophecies of the Old Testament, the Scriptures of the New Testament, we can plainly see that God Himself became flesh and He dwelt among us. The Bible tells us throughout the Old Testament, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. There's one God. There's not many gods. There's not three in one. He is, he is one God. And there are no scriptures in the Bible ever proclaiming that God being three in one. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. There's a, uh, there was a certain person I was hoping was going to be here this morning that could benefit from this. And I wanted them to hear this because there, there, there is, is some confusion in this. And the, 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 the old, the, the, the people in the, of old... And still many religions today believe in many gods. I truly believe, Brother Davis, that some of those, those people we, we read in the, uh, the, the, the pagan gods and stuff, they, they felt better about themselves the more gods they had. And it, it became a big who's most powerful contest. We see that with uh, Elijah. And, and, and them calling down fire from heaven, the, 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 uh, the bell, they, that was the God of fire or the God of, of the weather, the God of lightning. And so they had gods for everything. There was a God for weather. There was a God. That, uh, so the God of weather controlled the crops. And, and then they had the sun God. And then they had the moon God, and, uh, which, which is actually the moon God, which is what the Muslim or Islamic Faith is based on the moon. And so they have gods for everything. And there are people out there that believe that there are a God. And the more gods you have, the better off you are. And that's why it was so foreign to a lot of people. Uh, that, and, and the people of, of God, Israel, was, was very, it was a rare thing because they believed that there was one God. And we'll find that in, in, in the Word, uh, let, let's go to John 1. Can you put John 1, uh, uh, and we're going to, I'll just read the whole Scripture. Now tell, I don't have my phone on me. What time is it? Ten thirty-five. I may have to do this in two parts, and I, I may finish some of this up Sunday. Uh, John 1. And uh, it's, this is a very, very important thing. Now, You'll see this in many books, and I, I, we, we've talked about this before. We've seen this in many books. We read John 1 and 1, and they read John 1 and 14. Okay? As if that those are the two most important parts of the Scripture. Now, they're very vital. But what people don't really a lot of times read and, and talk about is the, the, the scriptures between John 1 and John 1 and 14. But let's read John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we see that the Word was God. You can't see a Word, right? You can't see a Word. 
And nobody could see God at that time. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. It's a very important scripture. All things were made by Him, the Word. Through the power of His Word, He spoke the world into existence. Let there be light. And He fashioned everything and created everything by His spoken Word. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Singular, without Him. He made, he made everything by Himself. He didn't need any help, right? Go on. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth into the darkness. Now hear me. We're talking about a dark world now. We're talking about God. We're talking about the Word, God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the light, which was God, shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was, now it changes subjects in verse 6 for a second. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. What he was was a forerunner of of the Messiah, and he was coming to bear witness of the light. And he was coming, uh, he, was, he was there, he was a presentation of the light. He, he was like the guy that says, in the red corner and in the blue corner, and he, he, he introduced this Savior. He was pointing back to him. He was not that light, talking about John. He wasn't that light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light. He was saying, I verify, I testify who he is. And he points, he's preaching, right? And he's telling these people who God is. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, talking about God. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. Now, and the world knew him not. Now it's taught, hear me. Can you go back to that one scripture? What the Bible said a while ago, it says, and the world was made by him. Talking about God, right? But now it's talking about Jesus. It seems to change subjects. Now, if we're true true Trinitarians, excuse me, true Trinitarians, they believe that Jesus Christ is literally the Son of God. Right? That he's literally only the Son of God. And that Jesus... Had a beginning, he was, this, he was begotten, which that's what it means, he had a beginning. Now he's talking about Jesus. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. Well, in, I think it was verse 6, the Bible says the world was fashioned and made by God. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own. He came to the Jews. And they, and they received him not. They cast him away. Called him a blasphemer. Why did they call him a blasphemer? First of all, let's, let's talk about that. Why did they call Jesus a blasphemer? You know what a blasphemer is? In their, in the, in the, the word blasphemer actually comes from the context when they put themselves in the place of God. He, he, he was saying, I am God. And they said, you're a blasphemer. He came into his own. His own received not. But it's all right. It's all right. I, I was just, I'm just trying to hurry through this. 
But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on, talking about the name of God. And let me tell you, there is only one name. There is only one name of God. Now, his name has many attributes. His name, singular, shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. All those attributes, those were attributes of God. Mighty God, Prince of Peace. Those aren't his name. So, so when you're driving down the road, like I was this morning, and my car went out in the other lane, I almost hit the car, I didn't go through and say, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father, Grace, oh, Allah, Muhammad. What I said was, Jesus. And whether you believe it or not, my truck, instead of spinning all the way around, which it should have, it went back up into the thing and... It, was on, it would have been on Tyler's side, so it, it either killed him or hurt him really bad. The guy was going 60 mile an hour. And I said, Jesus. So when you're driving down the road, and I don't if you're Trinitarian or what, you're not going to say, Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, because there's no power when you say, Father, Son, the Holy Ghost. What are you going to say? Jesus. He came into his own. Okay. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, that's where it's confusing because you think, okay, now it's separating God and Jesus. But you've got to understand the deity. You've got to understand what, it, what it's saying here. It's not, it's not double-minded. They're not talking two different messages here. They're talking one message here. This goes back to why Jesus Christ is called the Son of God, God the Spirit, Put a seed in a woman and relationship. He was the father of it. And in relationship, that son had a father. The giver of life is the father. Now, very, very important verse that we all talk about, which we a lot of people left out the in-between, which is very, very powerful, very important. The verse 14 and verse 1 connect. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word, which was God, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. According to these scriptures, God and the Word are the same. And it says, the Word was God. Later in the same passage, it says, and the Word, which was God, was made flesh. This is what the Apostle John told us about who Jesus Christ is. He is God in the flesh. And then the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of 1 Timothy 3.16, and without controversy, no arguments. See, what a lot of people want to do now is when you tell them Scripture, they want to argue. And they want to tell you. And most of the time, their argument stems from somebody that they looked up to in their past. Whether it was their preacher that they loved, whether it was their grandma or granddad or whatever, grandpa preached it. I'm just going to say it right here, and I'm going to be as nice as I possibly can. What your grandfather and what your grandma or what your dad or your mother, God bless them, they may be the best people. I'm trying to be really, really nice. I'll just say it for me because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I have a grandmother... 
She believed in the Holy Ghost. She was baptized, loved God, lived for God the best she could, Brother Davis. But she baptized, she was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, not in the name of Jesus. Now, I'm telling you, there is absolutely no power in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost when, you, when those words are uttered. Again, let's go back. If you're in trouble, you're not going to take the time to say, I need help in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. You're not going to. You, that's not what I'm telling you right now. I talk to many Trinitarians that they truly they're diehard believers in being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. But when they're in trouble, they call in the name of Jesus. I want to know that. I want to know why. Well, I know why, because they ultimately know that there is no power outside the name of Jesus. None. It's the application in the name of Jesus. It's not the water that saves you. It's, there's no special water in that baptismal tank. Um, if we didn't have a baptismal tank and you was wanting to get baptized, and I don't know, there's some flood water out here come out of the uh, White River. I don't know why they call it the White River, because that's the blackest, nasty river in the world. They, matter of fact, it's so bad that they tell you, I almost said, don't eat fish out of White River. Your kids will grow horns out of their head. and You'll be sick. You don't want to eat. Uh, you don't want to eat fish out of. I had a guy tell me, he said, there's nothing wrong with eating fish out of the White River. He wasn't the smartest guy I've ever met. Outside of that, I just went and I thought, well, now I understand what, why. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I and without controversy, great is the mystery of God. And God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. Seen the oh, well, I got to get back to what I was saying. Dear Lord. So when you're baptized, hear me. When you're baptized, I don't care if you're baptized in, in, in White River. That water, you'll have to go home and shower three or four times, get that mess off of you. But hear me. If you're baptized in Jesus' name, all your sins will be gone. So my point, it's not where you get baptized, it's not the water, it's not how dirty or how clean the water is, because you can purify that water and get baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And, 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 and according to the Bible, not my opinion, you've just taken a swim and you got wet for nothing. You've got to be rebaptized if you've been baptized in, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. You've got to be rebaptized. There is a right way to be baptized. There's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Paul preached that. He said, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. A mystery is something that we have to look at and, and, and find out ourselves. And the mystery, he went on to explain the mystery. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached into the Gentiles, believed on the world, received up in the glory. So, I like putting the word God in front of each one of those because... It just, it just comma, comma, comma. And so I, here's how I read the scripture. God was manifest in the flesh. God was justified in the spirit. God was seen of angels. God preached unto the Gentiles. God was believed on the world. And God was received up into glory. 
In other words, God himself took on flesh and, became, and came to earth. He was manifest in the flesh. He was preached. He preached to the Gentiles. He was received up in the glory. And his name is Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. The word manifest is a very vital, very important word in the scripture. And I'm, I'm, I'm coming to a close because I don't want to get into the rest of this. And I will be here all day. Manifest literally means to make manifest. Are you ready? The word manifest in the Strong's Concordance. You study the word. It would benefit you if you want to read the Bible. Don't just read it for face value. Get in there and dig and study what certain words mean. Because certain words carries a lot of power. It's very important the words you use. Before I go any further, I want to prove my point. Words mean a lot. In in. John 3.16, which is misquoted so much. John 3.16, most of the time when John 3.16 is displayed, it's displayed by the King James or the New King James Version or the NIV or some other thing. And it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The King James, the original version There is one word that's changed in that. You know what it is? Should not perish, but have everlasting life. And the Trinity Trinity doctrine and the easy believism church and the church that preached false doctrine changed one word that, that, that made people believe that if they believe in God, they shall not. Which shall, if you study the word shall, means indefinite. And the word should takes on a whole new light and new meaning. So should not perish. If you believe in God, you should not perish. It's power. You'll have that knowledge and that power. If you believe in him, you should obey the rest of the scripture. You should not perish. So one word has a lot of power. And the word manifest literally means to make manifest or visible or to make known that has been hidden or unknown, which was a mystery to them. And we talked about this. It wasn't a mystery. It wasn't a mystery to everybody, but it was a mystery to a lot of people. It was a mystery to Philip, wasn't it? Philip, when he said, "Show us the Father," was it Philip? Show us the Father that it suffices us or satisfies us. It was a mystery to him. And he, was, he walked with Jesus. He, he was around Jesus, saw his miracles. Was, is he the one that said, show us the Father? Or he was the one that put his... It was one of the disciples. I'll have to find that out. Philip that said that. Okay. So it was a mystery to him, and it was a mystery to the, the ones he came into his own. His own received him, not they rejected him. That here was God... In, in the flesh, he's the one, he was the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. That's who Jesus said that he was. And so he comes, he's a mystery, and he walk, he's walking amongst himself, and he's manifest, God manifest or visible or known, what was hidden or unknown, to manifest, whether by words or deeds or any other way, to make actual or visible, realized, to make known by teaching, to become manifest, to be made known of a person, 
expose or to view, to make manifest or show oneself appear, to become known or plain, hear me, plainly recognized, thoroughly understood. That's a powerful word. And so one word can, 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 can just open up a whole new light and, and, and not a new doctrine, but new revelation to the ones hearing it. Sadly, there's apostolics that really don't understand who Jesus is. It was Philip that said that in John 14 and 8. It was right here in my notes. Lord, I knew it was there. Philip asked the Lord to show him the Father. In the mind of Philip, and I'm coming to a close, in the mind of Philip, he wasn't satisfied with being in the presence of Jesus. And that's sad. That's really sad for the crowds. Show us the Father so it will suffice us or so it will satisfy us. Come on, Philip. You've been a long time with me, and you're not satisfied. That's really sad when there's people that sit in, in the church, and they have Jesus in their midst, and they're not satisfied. We still deal with that today. Show us the Father so it'll satisfy us. We're not satisfied with your presence. That's sad. sad. I mean, I, I think about that, that, that saying, that, that saying right there. It had to be sad for Jesus. He's in their presence, and he says, we want to see the Father because we're not satisfied with you. What's Colossians 2, 8, 9, and 10 says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after tradition of men, and not after Christ, for in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him. The word complete comes from, uh, uh, it, it means exactly what it is. You're complete, you're full filled. You don't need anything else. There's no void with God. He is the fulfillment of all Scripture. He's the fulfillment of the law. He's the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning of it. He's the author. And not only the author, the writer of your life and the writer of the whole Bible, but He is the finisher of our salvation. Philip says, show us the Father. So it'll satisfy us. It wasn't being in the presence with Jesus wasn't enough. Which tells me that you can be in the presence of Jesus, be in the church, and not be saved because you don't have a revelation of who Jesus is. Jesus looks at him, and I'm sure it was probably there's some sarcasm. I don't know. I, I like to believe that Jesus was at, was sarcasm at times. He had to be, Brother Krause. I mean, sarcasm's too good not to, to be lost. Come on, he had to be. Oh, I'll, I'll, let me show you. Okay, this is sarcasm. Have I been so long with you? And yet hast thou not known me? Now, why would Jesus say that? Jesus, he didn't ask you who you were. He didn't ask you to reveal your true identity. He said, we know who you are, Jesus. But we want to know the Father. We, we're, we, we, you're, you're old news for us. We're, we're used to your presence. We're used to your miracles, signs and wonders. You healed the deaf and opened the blinded eye and you raised the dead and all that stuff. It's, it's just really not enough for us. We're used to your presence. We know who you are. 
We want to know who your father is. And Jesus, sarcasm, says, have I been so long with you, yet thou not known me? Let's pause right there. If Jesus Christ and God were two separate, and Jesus was merely the son of God, uh, an extension of Jesus, or, or, or a second person in the Godhead, he wouldn't have said, How, you don't know me? Jesus is re- going to reveal his true identity, which he shouldn't have had to do, because no man does these great things but God. Right? He asked him, says, he, uh, let's see, let me read it one more time. Had I been so long time with you, and ye hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And then he asked him the question, now why are you saying, show us the Father? In other words, if you're true Trinitarian, you don't believe Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He just asked Jesus to see his Father. Well, Jesus didn't tell him who the Father was unless he looked at him and said, when, you, when you're, you're looking at him, when you see me, you've seen the Father. Now, if you ask me who my dad is, and I look a little like my father, if you said, Brother Hill, you know, uh, you know, I want you to show, I want you to reveal to me who your dad is. I would simply tell you my father is Don Hill. He's my father. I wouldn't tell you, well, you want to know my father? When you've seen me, you've seen my father. How crazy would I be? Ah, you don't need to meet Don Hill. You've seen me. You've seen him. You've been around me. Now, I take on some attributes of his, and I love him, and I'm, I, but I'm not, I'm not my father. I am my father's son. And so uh, my identity is separate from his. But Jesus Christ is literally the father in flesh. That when we get to heaven, as we stand, that when we get to heaven, we, there is going to be one that is sitting on the throne. There's going to be one sitting on the throne. If Jesus Christ is not God in the flesh. If he's merely the son of God, we'll be able to see Jesus. But if there's one going to be sitting on the throne, which is the father, by the way. So when you get to heaven and you want to see God. You're going to be looking at a throne. With an invisible presence in it. And you're not going to be able to see it. If that's what you're expecting. Or could it be. That the scripture reveals true that when Jesus said that he is the express image of an invisible God. That when you see God, you're literally going to be looking in the face of Jesus Christ, which is the head of all principality and power. That's another scripture for another day. Jesus Christ is the head of all principality and power and you're complete in him. You don't need anything else outside of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the door. Jesus, before Jesus came, you couldn't get to the Father. There was a separation. But Jesus literally became the bridge between heaven and earth. If you want to get to heaven, you've got to go through Jesus Christ. He is the door. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, which is and which was and which is to come. I pray that this weather um, works out, that we can have service tonight. I don't know. In Indiana, the weather changes. Uh, they can tell you it's not going to come in this time. You, it, you never know. So hear me. If we have to cancel, I don't think we're going to have to. Please, uh, if it's icy out, 
Don't just just don't even try it. First off, don't even if you live in Martinsville and it's ice in there. I mean, I, I don't just don't come. But if if it's not doing anything, we're going to have church, and so come at five thirty. Pray, pray, and, and we're going to have a good time tonight in Jesus' name. Please be careful going home. If you need help, get to your car. Uh, we'll, I'll, I'll get somebody out there, and we'll bring your car to you. Please be very careful. Uh, if you need help getting to your car, get one of these younger people, and they'll help you. Amen? You're dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you.